the Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Tom, easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? You're lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show.
the Tom Sumner Program.com. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. National Geographic is out with a uh, a new book by um, Claire Fiesler and Gabby Salazar, two uh, National Geographic uh, photographers, uh, social scientists, um, and and um, National Geographic explorers as well. Uh, called No Boundaries that. Um, focuses on 25 women explorers and scientists who share adventures, inspiration, and advice in this book. And here to talk about that, and and hopefully much more, is um, Gabby Salazar. Gabby, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk about the book. Um, Why was it important to... um, to do this collection, and and how did you pick out who would go in it? I've had a number of women on my show who are National Geographic explorers, um, and and so it it doesn't seem like a surprise to me. Is it to some people that there are that many women in science? Well, that's a that's a great question. You know. I think that um, part of the reason we wanted to do this book is because women, although there are lots of women out there doing incredible work, women are typically underrepresented in the media as experts and as scientists. And so um, it's really important to provide kind of relatable female role models for, especially for young women, but for young men as well, um, so that they can kind of see themselves in science careers. And so I think part of the, the goal of the book was to really provide those role models and increase um, representation of women in the media. Um, so that's one of the reasons that we did it. And in terms of finding the women, you know, a lot of the women are part of the National Geographic Explorer community, which Claire and I are also part of. And we also wanted to reach out and um, not just find incredible women, but find women from all different Uh, science careers and pathways. And so this book is really kind of has two goals, right? It it tells these fun stories um, that can help get kids interested in science, but it also exposes them to 25 potential um, fields of study or disciplines or ways to be involved in STEM and exploration. Uh, Gabby, how did you pick which women would be focused in the book? Because like I said, there, there are just so many that are out there doing great exploration and photography and writing for National Geographic, um, I, I wouldn't know where to begin. Uh, how did you? <laughs> that's, that's a great question. So we, um, yeah, we were over. We were overwhelmed with the choice, absolutely, for um, the number of different women. So one of the ways that we did this is we started by making a list of the potential like careers we wanted to to highlight. So we said. We know we want kids to know about what an ecologist does and what a paleontologist does and what an archaeologist does. And so then we tried to identify women um, who had interesting stories to tell or adventures to share um, from these different uh, fields of study. And then the other thing we did is, you know, I think we tried to think about what types of stories we could tell. I mean, these personal stories that could help overcome 
um, maybe kids' hesitations or fears about pursuing a career in science. So, for instance, like, you know, some kids we've heard and we've read about, you know, are afraid that maybe they can't be an adventurer and an explorer and have, you know, a family, that maybe it's difficult to have it all. And so we highlight, for instance, Sarah Stewart Johnson, who's a planetary scientist, who talks about taking her son in the field to actually study um, biosignatures, um, I believe in Iceland. And so she really helps, her story helps kind of like overcome that anxiety that kids might face by providing a really relatable example of this woman who is doing amazing science and also has a family. Um, is, is this book intended specifically for young readers or is this something that, that people might enjoy at any age? Absolutely. Um, it is intended for kids that are probably around 10 years old or, or older. Um, but I, I will say that I think that you can enjoy it and get something out of it at any age. Um, I think, you know, we heard from an eight-year-old last night uh, who just got the book and was loving it and uh, decided, I think, that she wanted to be a bioengineer after reading about Kakani Katiha, which is a, is a great outcome of the book. Um, and also, I think adults can get something out of it because, it talks about a lot of themes that are relevant to anyone who wants to um, pursue something that they're passionate about or um, to kind of go out on a limb and take a risk and, uh, you know, pursue and follow their curiosity. More about women explorers with uh, author Gabby Salazar from National Geographic Straight Ed. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms, and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Biden from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Sterling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Ananick. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You are, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I'm willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all 
always. You, you, <laughs> it's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. Yo, speaking. Oh, dear. Honey, our car warranty is expiring again. So soon? It just expired last week. You don't even own a car! Not now, Dana. Your father's on the phone. Hey! Mom and Dad, you're being scammed! It's a robocall! Scammers are using new technology and clever tactics to make more and more calls that look legitimate, but are hard to trace. They can make it look like they're calling from any number, even from numbers of people you know. My robocall crackdown team is working with state and federal partners to stop the robocalls for good, but I need your guys' help. Don't trust your caller ID. Verify you're really talking to the person whose number appears when your phone rings. If you accidentally answer a robocall, hang up right away. Engaging in conversation will only lead to more calls. Use a call blocking app on your cell phone that stops robocalls before they interrupt your day. And if you do get a robocall, file a complaint with my office online at mi.gov slash robocalls. And mom, dad, please do not give your information out to these scammers over the phone. They're just trying to trick you. Well, at least they call. No, I get it, you're busy. But you know Janine's daughter is a doctor. She calls every week. A doctor. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to Tom Sumner Program. More about women explorers with uh, author Gabby Salazar from National Geographic Straight Ahead. Out of all of these incredible women trailblazers that are featured in the book, are there any that stand out to you personally? Well, that's, you know, I, I have... I mean, I know that's I, like I asking a musician. <laughs> I, that's I like asking a musician if they have a favorite <laughs> song. But, um, but, but are there a couple of women in the book that stand out to you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one story that really comes to mind that resonated with me personally is um, Jennifer Farr Davis's story. She is a long-distance hiker and an athlete, and she um, set out to set the record for hiking the Appalachian Trail. And first she set out to set the women's record, and she did it. And what I love about her story is she then talks about how after setting the women's record, she was happy, but she also realized that she could have tried to push herself harder. Why didn't she go for the overall record? Why did she just go for the women's record? And she actually goes on to go for the overall record, talks about some of the challenges she faced and the time she almost gave up along the way on the trail. But, you know, the story ends by telling about her success at getting to the end of the trail and setting that overall record. And I love that kind of introspective, um, you know, kind of piece of her story where she really looks in herself and says, you know, I have more, I can do more. And for me, I think that was an important lesson. Now, uh, I, w- I also really love, oh, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead and finish your thought. Oh, the, well, the other woman I really like, um, one of her, the stories is uh, the story of um, 
Nora Shockey, who is an Egyptian archaeologist. And uh, she talks in her story about um, a lot of failure. Like she failed to get funding for her first dig site in Egypt. She failed to get the permit she needed. And she talks about overcoming that failure and going on to finally um, have the National Geographic kind of take a chance on her with funding and what it was like um, to actually finally get to do the research she'd been wanting to do. And I think it's a great lesson for kids. I just recently um, spent some time talking with uh, Nims Persia, who um, climbed 14 mountain peaks in six, just wow. over six months. I, I mean, just a, a phenomenal feat. He, and he, too, has featured his, his memoir in a uh, National Geographic um, release. Um, but as I was looking through this book, which is called No Boundaries, 25 Women Explorers and Scientists Share Adventures, Inspiration, and Advice, I noticed there was a woman in there who had climbed seven of these peaks. Yes, there's Wasfia Nazreen, and uh, it's actually, I believe, uh, one of the first profiles featured in the book, and it is she has an incredible story. So she um, actually went and climbed the seven summits, which are the kind of highest peaks on each of um, the seven continents. And she tells um, the story of actually, you know, going out and, and trying to climb all of these peaks and this kind of, um, you know, in a failure to, to actually make it to the top of Denali a couple of times and what that meant for her and her journey and how she persevered and kept going back until she made it to the top. And uh, she is an amazing woman and really is an inspiration for, I think, anyone who reads about her journey and the work that she does to use adventure to actually um, empower young women across the globe. I, you know, I'm just, I'm amazed by her and, and by NIMS. You know, if, if I climbed a single mountain, it would be a lifetime achievement, you know. <laughs> and, and I look at people like these and, and think, what is it about them? What is it about the, the 25 women in this book that, sets them apart from everybody else and and what are the things they have in common that we should try to adapt for ourselves yeah that's a that's a great question and i i think about that a lot because you know we had the opportunity to do these long interviews with all of the women and to ask them for their advice and i think a big theme that comes out is that you know they they have this kind of grit and persistence right they they don't take no for an answer, um, you know, right away. They don't get discouraged by the first kind of barrier that's put in their path. Um, they look for ways to um, actually, you know, create new solutions. And I think that that's a really, a really big theme that comes out and is important for kids, I think, because I think we live in this kind of time where we're used to kind of instant gratification. You know, we can buy things with the click of a button. We can get what we want quite quickly in a lot of ways, but, when it comes to changing, you know, the world or, or making a huge impact um, on a scientific field, a lot of times uh, that takes a lot more time and persistence and it may take 
you know, um, you know, pushing yourself and overcoming boundaries and taking taking risks. And I think that these women's stories really demonstrate the power of that persistence. So I think that's something we can all learn from. Gabby, I was reading something about about you in in your biography. You were referred to as a social scientist, and I'm used to talking to National Geographic explorers that are archaeologists and mountaineers and marine biologists and um, conservation experts. What is a social scientist? Sure. That's a, it's a great question. So I think um, what I really, it's a kind of a catch-all term, I guess, for, for what I study, which is really the human dimensions of conservation and the environment. So I'm really, I'm in the middle of my dissertation um, at the University of Florida, and I'm really interested in how environmental education programs can be designed to increase kids' feelings of, um, you know, empowerment and their belief in their ability to make a difference. I'm also, I use, you know, techniques and methods from fields like anthropology or sociology or psychology to study how people are influenced by environmental marketing. Um, and I think, you know, one of the things we try to do with this book um, is to try to give examples of all of the different ways that kids can be involved in science and exploration. And it may be through the kind of work that I do, or it might be through the kind of work that um, Hannah Reyes-Morales, who's a photojournalist featured in the book, does, or uh, Jean Beasley, who does, who's a citizen scientist, um, who helps rescue sea turtles, the work that she does. And I, so I think that, um, you know, that's a big part of it is, is trying to expand ideas about what counts as science and exploration. You know, it's, it's really interesting. You've mentioned a couple of times about the importance of these women as role models for young girls and getting them interested in STEM. And I, I'm old enough to remember a time when it seemed um, very unusual for a young girl to be interested in science or math or technology. And in, in the last very few years, I've talked to so many women that are accomplishing these great things in the world of science and technology and engineering and math, STEM, if you will. And, and it just seems like it's, it's the normal now. Is it still important to get the message that science is for girls too, to young girls and young women? I think absolutely. Um, so, you know, like there was a recent kind of review that I was reading of this draw a scientist test, which you may have heard of where, you know, kids are asked to draw a scientist. And the first time this study was done, you know, a lot of kids tended to draw kind of a Caucasian middle-aged male in a, in a lab coat. And that's what they picture when they picture a scientist. And so while we've made a lot of progress, as you, as you say, a review paper that looked at draw a scientist tests from 2003 to 2018 found that um, those stereotypes in the draw a scientist test have largely remained consistent. So it means that although there are all these examples of, of women doing these amazing things, 
we still haven't completely shifted that stereotype. And so we do need more resources and efforts to help um, kind of go against those gender biases that are really deeply ingrained, I think. I wonder how people would respond to that same kind of test if you said draw a teacher. It's a good question, and I, I wonder if that research has been done. I don't know, but, yeah, I, 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 can, I can imagine that it might be kind of biased in a, in a different direction. Yep. I mean, I, you know, when I, when I was growing up, it seemed like um, teachers were more likely to be women. Yeah, I think the majority of my school teachers were, were definitely um, uh, women. Yeah, so that's a, it's a good point. And I think, you know, we need to be able to, we need all the good teachers we can get as well, right? Teachers are a critical piece of this. And so um, that's also important work to do is to maybe expand our conception of, of who is a teacher and, and what a teacher looks like as well. Yeah, I, I was just, um, I, I, I was really just kind of thinking out loud there with you, Gabby, because um I wondered how how we might um, change that notion of there being certain stereotypes. Um, you know, whether it's uh, you know a white guy in a lab coat is a scientist or a doctor. Um, you know, a, a school teacher is a, is is portrayed as as being a woman. Um, and in, in, I'm sure there are some others, but, you know, to avoid the risk of offending anyone, I'm not going to try and guess what they might be. Um, but how do we how do we do that? How do we um, with with science and and uh, the ecology, how do we get that notion across that anybody can do any work? they want to? I think that's a great question. And I think we can do a number of things. One is that, you know, we can expose kids to counter, counter stereotypical role models, right? So we can take kids to see talks, um, maybe by a female physicist or astronomer. Those are both fields that women tend to be underrepresented, you know, in, in at kind of the doctoral level or the professorial level. Um, we can also uh, make sure as, as media members of the media um, that we cite and, uh, you know, quote experts for, that from a variety of different backgrounds. And it's not just about, you know, gender. It can also be about making sure that we have representation of people of different racial, ethnic, or cultural backgrounds. And so I think that that's a big thing that we can do. And there's all kinds of great resources that can help media um, do this. Like there's the If Then She Can website that provides images and an image database um, to actually uh, help um, provide images of women in science so that when media organizations are looking for a representation of a scientist, they can have um, this easily accessible database that shows women doing amazing field work and science across the world. Gabby, how did you first get interested in in nature and conservation photography, and and how did that lead you to National Geographic and becoming an explorer? 
Well, I started taking photos when I was just 11 years old, and I'm 34 now, so I've been doing it for quite a while. Um, and it was through my father, who was an amateur photographer and kind of found photography as a thing that we could share, a hobby we could share together. And since that time, you know, as I, as I took more photos, um, I, I did start, of course, to, to recognize that there's a lot of environmental issues in our world. And I wanted not just to show the beautiful things, but also to use photography to document some of these environmental issues in the hopes of, um, you know, exposing people to them and maybe empowering them to take action to make a difference. And that's how I really got started on the conservation photography track. And then I got involved with National Geographic through their grants program, which is a wonderful thing for um, young people to look into as well. I got in, uh, at that time, it was called the Young Explorers Grant, and they actually um, helped fund a project I worked on in Peru uh, to document conservation efforts along a highway that was being built between the Andes Mountains and the Amazon rainforest. And I got to go and spend, um, you know, almost a year in Peru after graduating from college, just working uh, as a photographer. And that was an extraordinary opportunity. How did you and uh, Claire uh, Fiesler get um, connected and teamed up for the purpose of uh, compiling this, this collection? Well, uh, Claire and I met through the National Geographic Young Explorers community and program, and um, we got really interested um, in this issue of, um, you know, representation in science uh, when we just were noticing and reading about how underrepresented, um, especially at the time we started this work almost almost nine or ten years ago, um, thinking about it, uh, how underrepresented women were as experts and scientists in the media, including in National Geographic magazine at the time. Um, and so we started working together. We actually um, worked on a short documentary film on one of the women in the book, Dr. Marangels and Visa. And Claire and I got a grant from the National Geographic Society to travel to Zimbabwe to create a short film about Dr. Mbiza's life. She studies lion ecology um, and conservation, but we wanted to tell the story about uh, her, the challenges she's faced as a woman in science, trying to pursue a degree um, in the UK while also having uh, field work in Zimbabwe and a family living in South Africa and some of the sacrifices that women have to make in order to um, pursue their scientific careers and their goals. And since then, Claire and I have been working together, and it's been a wonderful collaboration. It's it's really fascinating because I, I have met and interviewed and talked to some some incredible women. Isn't the uh, editor-in-chief of uh, National Geographic a woman? Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, and and um, and has done a lot of wonderful work um, to try to increase representation in the magazine since she started there. And the um, and and I interviewed a woman, and I'm trying to think of her name. I'm so terrible with names, Gabby. Forgive me, but she's uh, the director of the um, space museum at uh, the Smithsonian. Oh, great. I don't know her name, but that's that's wonderful. And we have two women in the book who worked in kind of, well, one astronomer, um, Dr. Munaza Alam, and then um, 
Dr. Sarah Stewart-Johnson, who's a planetary scientist who studies biosignatures. So we really wanted to make sure that space sciences and exploration was included. And it's, it, you know, it's an exciting time for that with the Webb Telescope just launched through NASA. All right. um, and it's an exciting time for kids to be thinking about that, you know, and, and that is a career path. So, Gabby, what's what's next for you? Well, I'm hoping to finish my dissertation. I'm in the middle of a Ph.D. program. And um, when I finish that, I really um, am passionate about uh, capacity building and mentoring, which I think is a big part of um, making sure that we have the next generation of scientists and explorers in, you know, in supported positions and give them all of the support the next generation needs to, to make a difference. And so that's what I'm going to focus my attention on is um, capacity building and training for young scientists and conservationists around the world. Um, now this, uh, again, the name of the book is No Boundaries, 25 Women Explorers and Scientists Share Adventures, Inspiration, and Advice. Um, basically uh, uh, curated, I, I guess is a good word for it, by uh, Claire Fiesler and Gabby Salazar. Gabby Salazar, uh, they're both National Geographic Explorers, and Gabby is my guest uh, today on the show. Um, Gabby, is there um, a, a favorite part of this book? I mean, with National Geographic, I'm always just blown away by the, the quality of the ph photography and the reproductions of the photography. But what is is the best part of this book from your perspective now that it's all done? Well, you know, I love that with each profile of each, you know, pretty much each woman, there's also two pages about actionable steps that kids can take if their if their curiosity is, you know, sparked. So for instance, when you read about Dr. Munaza Alam, who's a astronomer, then there's a, two pages about simple ways for kids to explore the night sky and look up and ways for them to kind of continue and build on that curiosity. And so for me, that's great. And Dr. Patricia Wright, who's this amazing primatologist who works in Madagascar, you know, you read all about her discovery of a new lemur species. And then the next two pages are about some of the incredible endemic species that are found on Madagascar. And we hope that just having all of that extra information, that little bit extra and action items that kids can take will help them grow that initial curiosity into perhaps, you know, the desire to learn more and to, to get more books out of the library, um, to, to read a little bit more and to explore their interests. I, I just think it must have been really hard for you and Claire to keep this to only 25 women. I, I keep thinking there's going to be, you know, a, a a second version, like 25 more women explorers <laughs> and scientists. Well, we definitely have a list. I mean, I think there could easily be a second volume, and I think that um, you know, based on the, the response we've gotten, you know, the book just um, kind of released very, very recently, but the responses we've gotten already, um, I think uh, hopefully there will be demand for that because uh, I think there are way more stories out there that need to be told and 
um, that can really help achieve this mission of, you know, that we're all talking about that, you know, you hear about all the time in the media. How do you get more kids interested in STEM? And we're hoping that this is just one small part of, of helping achieve that goal. Well, I think it's a tremendous uh, part of the uh, initiative to do just that, Gabby. And thank you so much for spending uh, this time with me and the listeners this morning. I appreciate it. Well, thank you so much. It was a wonderful conversation, and I hope all the kids listening out there or parents will um, take some steps to uh, helping their kids um, pursue their dreams. Well, take care, Gabby, and keep up the good work. Thanks. Have a good rest of the day. All right. Bye-bye. That was Gabby Salazar. She is uh, one of the co-authors. She and Claire Fiesler have uh, written a book for National Geographic or compiled a book. It's... uh, the stories of, of uh, 25 women explorers and scientists share their adventures, inspiration, and advice in the book No Boundaries from National Geographic. And um, my guest was uh, was Gabby, and she is a National Geographic sp- explorer, a nature and conservation photographer, and a social scientist. And with that, we'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. Tom Sumner Program.com. The Tom Sumner Program.com. From the Tom Sumner This is the Unknown Comic, and guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now, and now, and now too, and even now. It's 2022, and this year the Tom Sumner Program begins its 14th year. It would not be here without support through the years from individuals and organizations like these. Seth David Radwell, East Village Magazine, Flint Institute of Music. Hello, I'm Maestro Ricky DeMeg. Flint Community School. MTA Flint. Flint Comics and Entertainment. Hamity Complete Food Center. The Flint River Watershed Coalition. WH Wisecarver. The Genesee County Road Commission. Lone Museum Auto Fair. Thomas Appliance. The Genesee Health Plan. Flint Technology. My Community College. It's Pure Michigan. Friends on Facebook have also helped by contributing to the show's online fundraisers two or three times a year. If you would like to help the Tom Sumner program continue to thrive by becoming a sponsor, send an email of interest to tom at tomsumnerprogram.com. Add your name to the list of supporters, past, present, and future. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans, and soon, they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, to hug her and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. 
I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Start your weekend early with the Tom Sumner Program every Friday live at 11. We turn the spotlight on the world of arts and entertainment featuring artists from music, TV, and the movies. Catch everything from the rich local talent pool in and around Flint and Genesee County to up-and-coming stars of stage and screen, plus legends from New York and Hollywood. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe Bye from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is... This is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Start your weekend right. Go to 11 Fridays on the Tom Sumner Program. Ellen Sherman, Cleveland housewife and mother. Hi, I'm a nuclear physicist and commissioner of consumer affairs. In my spare time, I do needlepoint, read, sculpt, take writing lessons, and brush up on my knowledge of current events. Thursday's my day at the daycare center, and then there's my work with the deaf. But I still have time left over to do all my own baking and practice my backhand, even though I'm on call 24 hours a day as a legal aid. How does Ellen Sherman do it all? She's smart. She takes speed, the tiny blue diet pill you don't have to be overweight to need. Collect these paper bags, and I have them right here, all folded and everything. In case anyone needs a paper bag, I have Yes, one. speed. Because I fold them neatly, you know. I don't fold them just any old way. Why I not ask your family doctor for a prescription to today? And, and when that runs out, you can ask your neighbor's doctor, and your mother's doctor, and your college roommate's doctor, and your best friend from high school's doctor, and your I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen. In the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program, and we're in our final segment. I can't believe how fast this show goes. And I didn't get a chance to mention yet that today is Rosa Parks Day in Michigan. Most people in Michigan, I think, uh, know and remember who Rosa Parks is. She uh, passed away in 2005. She was born. Um, actually, last Friday was her birthday, uh, February 4th, 1913. But um, when she passed away, the Michigan legislature uh, designated the Monday after her birthday, uh, the Monday after February 4th each year, would be um, Rosa Parks Day in Michigan. Um, and uh, let's see, the bill states, uh, the legislature recognizes the outstanding contributions to American life, history, and culture made by Mrs. Rosa 
L. Parks, a woman of great courage, vision, love, and faith, who for decades has resided in our great state and continues to serve the state of Michigan and her country by actively laboring to achieve equality for all. Um, and I'm not 100% sure she passed away in 2005, but I, I think that's when it was. Um, and lawmakers at the time designated the day in Parks' honor in commemoration of the significant role Mrs. Parks played in the history of the state and the nation. And um, I don't know, uh, for people who don't uh, remember, uh, Rosa Parks was um, arrested and jailed at age 42 for refusing, refusing to give up her seat to a white man, her act of civil disobedience turned her into one of America's most well-known civil rights figures. Anyway, in honor of uh, um, Rosa Parks Day, we'll, uh, we'll have this next, uh, this next little piece of music to take us out um, from uh, Tom Clay. What is segregation? I don't know what segregation is. Uh, what is bigotry? I don't know what bigotry is. What does, uh, hatred mean? I don't know what it is. Uh, what is, uh, prejudice? Um, I think it's when somebody's sick. program to bring you a special bulletin. Dallas, Texas. The Flash, apparently official. President John F. Kennedy died at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time. He's free to 
difficult days ahead, but it really doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop. I don't mind. Like anybody, I would like to live. No one can be certain who next will suffer from some senseless act of bloodshed.
And that uh, wraps things up for today's edition of the Tom Sumner Program, ending with a little tribute to Rosa Parks on Rosa Parks Day in Michigan, which uh, is celebrated uh, or designated, rather, by the uh, Michigan legislature to occur on the Monday after Rosa Parks' birthday, February 4th, each year in Michigan. And uh, with that, I want to say thanks to all the guests on the show today. Gabby Salazar, this last hour, talking about uh, her book for National Geographic, No Boundaries, 25 Women. Um, Fascinating, uh, fascinating book. And, of course, a very interesting conversation during the middle hour of our three-hour tour with Renee Kanake-Jefferson, author of Shortlisted Women in the Shadows of the Supreme Court. And we started out this morning with uh, Eva Chen and uh, Sophie uh, Diao, um, the author and illustrator of um, a new book for kids called I Am Golden that um, is kind of an ode to the immigrant experience as well as a manifesto to, uh, of self-love for Chinese-American children. Anyway, that smoke and George sending me down the hall to the living room, but I'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the show. Tom Good night, everybody. It's a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And thanks for listening.